Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Fine collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Welcome to another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here, the voice of the Barracuda, alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. Goldie, a seven-game point streak snapped on Tuesday against a new opponent in the Iowa Wild. It's funny, when you went into the game on Tuesday, you see an Iowa team that had lost three straight, they had a dismal record in the state of California, just one seven and one all time. And San Jose was playing some really good hockey, riding a seven-game point streak. Well, you throw it all out the window, and it turns out to be a four-two win for Iowa. Really, I thought was dominant for the first two periods of that game. For San Jose, settled in in that final frame, but that middle period was the major difference. As Iowa was all over San Jose, they outshot them to start the period nine nothing, and on the ninth shot, they scored to make it two nothing at the time, and on their eleventh shot they made it three nothing and at that point San Jose was just too far behind the eight ball to get back into the game but they'll get Iowa on the schedule in a couple weeks so maybe a bit of redemption uh, in the future out in Des Moines but now San Jose looks ahead they've got the Bakersfield Condors coming up this Friday in Bakersfield it's the hottest team in the American Hockey League winners of 10 straight yeah well before we jump into Bakersfield we can talk a little bit about the the Iowa game and like you said they had struggled in California, but especially on this road trip, they hadn't won any games. So for them to, I think it was maybe more so of a, a statement game for Iowa in their locker room to say, you know, we, we can't end it this way. Because that's a good Iowa team. They're in second place, I believe, in the Central Division. So it's a statement for them. And they came out and they were, jumped all over the Barracuda for the first 40 minutes of the game. And I think the the players and the coaches who spoke to media after the game kind of echoed that and really said that they were all over them from start to finish. They really couldn't get anything going. They were suffocating. They were heavy on the forecheck, which is kind of the Barracuda specialty is to be strong in their forecheck. And they were kind of caught back on their heels, pinned in their own zone a lot, which is tough, uh, you know, especially when you're behind 3 nothing at one point. Barracuda really didn't turn on until the third period, which was, I mean, they looked like normal Barracuda hockey there. But at that point, it's just, it's too late. And you kind of have to, bring that energy for you know a full 60 as opposed to just the last 20. Otherwise, you know, you're going to put yourself in a tough spot. we got some good goalies, but they can't bail, bail out all the time. Um, and so you, you kind of you, you need to get things going. I know it was a Tuesday night, smaller crowd, a little bit less energy in the building, which uh, some people made some comments on after the game as well. But um, still, you know, at some point, you just kind of turn on and tune all that out and play your game. So... Roy, I think Roy said it best after the game. You're, you're not going to play 700 hockey all year long. That's a very hard thing to do. Um, and, you know, at some point you're going to have some lapses, and I don't think that's, this is going to be something that continues where we get outplayed on a regular basis. It's just not the way that this team is, you know, made up. So uh, hopefully going into Bakersfield against a very good Bakersfield team uh, kind of rejuvenates everybody and, and gets us back on the right path. I think one note, too, from that game on Tuesday is they, the Sharks recalled Dylan Gambro, and we saw how well he played on that fourth line with Melker Carlson and Barkley Goodrow, and I felt like his absence out of the lineup for the Barracuda was felt. And again, you fall behind the eight ball like they did, and, and Iowa was all over right from the hop, and it's hard to get back into games. 
and there's sometimes that feel it out process against an opponent like Iowa in which you hadn't played all year and you haven't played since 2016. And I felt like both teams were kind of measuring each other out to start the game. And Iowa ends up getting that first goal that carried over into a really strong second period and, and were able to come out with the victory. A quick note uh, in that game, San Jose, the best second period team in the entire American Hockey League. And Iowa, one of the best third period teams, yet San Jose was uh, outscored and really outplayed in that middle frame. And then in the third, I felt like San Jose found their sea legs a bit and started kind of dictating more of the pace themselves um, in that hockey game. But again, it, it was too late at that point. So now you look ahead, and, and it doesn't get any easier for San Jose. They go on the road for a pair. They'll take on the Bakersfield Condors, as you mentioned, winners of their last 10 straight, the hottest team in the entire American Hockey League, and right on San Jose's heels. The Barracuda do have a handful of games on hand on Bakersfield. So although the points uh, aren't separated by too much at, at this certain point in the season, uh, San Jose does have a few games in hand, but it should be a good measuring stick. The Barracuda have not lost to the Condors this season in regulation. They're 3-0-1-1, but are coming off a 6-5 loss to Bakersfield on January 21st. That was a overtime defeat at the SAP Center to Bakersfield, and that has been that game came in the midst of this 10-game winning streak. So Jake Woodcroft has his team rolling down in Bakersfield. This is the best they've played over the first four years. They're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in the first four years, and it uh, should be a pretty good hockey game on Friday night. Yeah, we said it right before we jumped on that it, the season started and our division was a little top-heavy between uh, Barracuda and Tucson, and very quickly within the, you know a two, two-and-a-half-week span, I think the Pacific Division became the best division in the American Hockey League given – the way Bakersfield's been on their tear, San Diego went on a tear, Tucson is still good, we're still good, and Colorado's still a very good team as well. It's you know, five out of seven who are very, very good teams. And that's not to discredit, you know, Ontario and Stockton because they seem to win games, especially over the division opponents, because it's such a frequent matchup that you kind of learn a lot about those guys. Uh, but yeah, Bakersfield is uh, they're they're Similar to what we said about Tucson, I don't think Bakersfield's going away. I think this 10-game win streak is legit. It's not fluky by any means. I think they're a legitimately good team. And um, I think it stems from partly the shakeup that they had at the top of the Oilers organization that kind of trickles down and says, hey, we really want to develop these guys down here instead of rushing them up to the NHL. And you're seeing that a lot of these, you know, very well-off players, Cooper Marodi, who's uh, – one of the younger guys in the league, Joe Gambardella, these guys who could probably see some NHL time are really grooming and, and learning the pro game a little bit before they make that jump. And I think that's a big part of their, their success. And their goaltending has been pretty good, too, on top of all that. Yeah, their goaltending has been pretty good. Shane Starrett has kind of taken over as the number one goaltender up or down in Bakersfield right now. And as you mentioned, they have some really good young players that they've been able to rely on this year. You know, Tyler Benson, Akupa Marodi, of course, the veteran Josh Curry, who's been a complete thorn in San Jose's side over the last four Benson, years. Benson's a top five rookie in terms of scoring right now. Yep. It's like not it's far off the so lead either. Is, yep, so is Marodi. So both of those guys, I mean, it's been pretty impressive what they've been able to do. And then Gambardella's really driving the bus right now. Uh, he just continues to put up points. Uh, he scored that game winner against San Jose. He's got 21 goals now. 35 points in 37 games, so he's nearly a point-per-game type of guy. He got a recall earlier this year. And then they've got Kyler Yamamoto, who was a top pick as well, who's mm -hmm. down right now. He's been up and down um, between Edmonton and Bakersfield. It's interesting right now with, with the, I guess, dysfunction that's going on in Edmonton. It almost seems as if 
at the American Hockey League level, things have seemed to settle down because it was a bit dysfunctional, I think, at both levels until, you know, some of the turnover. Obviously, they fired their general manager up in Edmonton over the last, what, that was a month and a half ago. Um, so things are kind of changing right now in that organization. But at the AHL level, all of a sudden, the dust has settled, and they've got a good thing going right now in Bakersfield. And they're in the, you know, top two in the Pacific Division right on San Jose's heels. So it should be a pretty darn good matchup when these two clubs get together. And it marks the first of two road games for San Jose. They'll be in Ontario, a 1 o'clock start on Sunday in Ontario, and then the Barracuda return back home, and it doesn't get any easier. They've got Tucson in SAP Center on Tuesday, and they've got San Diego on Saturday and Sunday here at the SAP Center as well. So, you know, it's the final stretch. It's the final third of the season, and the schedule doesn't lighten up at all. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams coming into San Jose over the next, you know, two months or so. We're going to see a lot more Bakersfield, a lot more San Diego and Tucson. Colorado comes in again. We're going to see Grand Rapids again. We're going to see Iowa again. So a lot of teams that are all in the mix of the playoff hunt in their respective divisions, and it's, they're not far out of a, a seating. And like, like we, I think we said it last week or maybe the week before, a, a small little lapse where you, you go on a bit of a cold streak is really going to set you back at the rate that our division's moving right now where everybody just seems to keep winning. Every time I look at the scoreboard, Bakersfield's winning, San Diego's winning, Tucson's winning. I don't know how they're doing it because they're, they don't seem to be playing each other ever. Um, but they're playing other teams, and somebody's always winning. And it's I mean, obviously we keep winning too, but it doesn't seem like we're ma gaining any ground because everybody else is doing it. So I don't know. It's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be a busy, uh, busy stretch here, and they, we know all the support we can get. So if you haven't been to a game, or if you're on the fence of coming to games, like come on out because these guys obviously feed off your energy, and the more support that they have, to feel that you know the city's behind them and this area is behind them, the Bay Area is behind them, uh, they're they're poised to do some special things this year. So the support is definitely necessary. Well, Friday's matchup marks the sixth of a 10-game season series. So these two clubs, San Jose and Bakersfield, they still got each other five more times, including Friday, as San Jose is 2-0 at the Rabble Bank Arena this season. And as we mentioned, their overall record, 3-0-1-1 against the Edmonton Oilers affiliate. So, again, should be a good one, and it's just going to mark what's going to be, I think, a good rivalry going down the stretch. Big win last night for the Ontario Reign. They took down the San Diego goals on the road. That was the final of six to three. Ontario, I think at this point, is probably out of the picture in terms of making a push into the postseason. They're at the bottom of the division right now, but there's still some really good pieces with the Ontario Reign, including their goaltender, Kyle Peterson. He got the win last night, and of course, they made that trade at the NHL level with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so they got some players in exchange coming back the other way that were able to contribute last night for the Ontario Reign. Well, of course, last uh, two weeks ago, we had the All-Star Classic um, in Springfield. We were well rep represented with the Barracuda. Of course, three players, Francis Perron, Joseph Coronash, and Jake Middleton. Of course, head coach Roy Sommer as well were in Springfield. Joe, you were in Springfield. We had Frenzy in Springfield. Yeah. Joe Will, John Gustafson, our president. So we were well represented in, uh, in the state of Massachusetts a couple weeks ago for the All-Star Classic. Um, and without further ado, we're going to bring in a couple of the players who were there. Yosef Kornosh, San Jose's uh, netminer, and all-star forward uh, Francis Perron as well are going to jump on board. So without further ado, we'll welcome in uh, those two players. So welcome back. We're joined by Barracuda Ford Francis Perron, goaltender Yosef Kornosh, Nick Nolenberger alongside Joey Goldstein. 
Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for jumping on board on the podcast. I know we're in a bit of a hurry because we got a bus to catch and uh, a game tomorrow in Bakersfield. But we wanted to recap a bit on the All-Star Classic. You guys were both out there together along with mm -hmm. Jake Middleton and head coach Roy Sommer. And I'm sure it was a pretty memorable experience for you, um, you know, with the, all the pageantry that kind of goes into it, the fanfare, meeting different players. Um, I'm sure you guys met some guys that you already kind of knew or, or you, you know, you knew of. Um, but we'll start with you, Frankie. You won the, you know, the sharpshooter. You, you co-won that event, hitting four targets on six attempts. Yeah. Um, I, I want us to, to kind of walk us through, you know, that type of event. I know we talked about what maybe you would do leading into it, and that was one that you wanted to do. Um, you are a sharpshooter. That's what uh, you, you've shown off an ability to shoot the puck. And, uh, you know, you're able to hit the, those four targets on six attempts. Were you nervous going into it? You know, what was the kind of the mindset? Um, uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of pressure. Yeah, I wouldn't say nervous, but uh, obviously you want to do good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people. Everybody's watching on TV, family, friends. So, obviously, you know, that's something that I wanted to do, uh, the accuracy shooting. And then, you know, I, was, I had a strategy. I had, when I was receiving the pass from the left side, I was shooting on the left side. So... I mean, I wanted to do well, and then it went it went pretty well actually. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was a really fun, uh, real fun drill, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and I know the the All Star game caters a little bit more towards you know the forwards, the skaters, and the goaltenders. Joe, I know in the three on three, you know you're left high and dry at times, but you still made some really good saves. Walk us through that type of experience. And I'm sure it's more fun than anything, but uh, you're not getting a lot of defensive support in a game like that. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's more hard than like looks like, but it's more fun. So I, I took it like more fun than like try hard. So I enjoyed the uh, rapid fire or whatever was that. Mm -hmm. That was that was probably for me the better one than the other one because three on oh, that's just just on just lucky safe or something, and penalty shot. Yeah, that's like normal. I know the uh, the American League followed the NHL a couple years ago yeah. with the three-on-three -three overtime. Um, do you do you? I'm sure as a forward, you probably love the overtimes. Oh, but yeah. you know, in real games, it, what is that like for a goalie? And I mean, I'm sure that kind of got you a little bit prepared for that. Uh, yeah, in a game, it's like different. I like it in a game. Like overtime, it's like like more pressure on you, so you have to be like more focused. But on on the All Star game, that was more fun. So I tried to like play more relaxed. Yeah, and it's it's, <laughs> it's all it's a different relaxed than yeah. Like you're trying a little bit less defense too in oh. All Star. All <laughs> you guys are trying to score yeah. and show off. I mean, one -ones, yeah. break hey, you made you made Sports Center, so uh -huh. that's. Uh -huh. That's good. Yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> probably for the best. Uh, so. I kind of walk us through. I know you guys left Grand Rapids pretty early on Sunday. You got in the day of the skills competition. Mm -hmm. You know, walk us through. You know what that day was like. I'm sure it was real busy. I know you guys weren't on a ton of sleep when you guys got there. So yeah, it was a long day. It was. Uh, I mean, I didn't know Grand Rapids was that far from Springfield. So yeah, it was uh, two long flights, and uh, we got there I think at around two, two in the yeah. afternoon. So we had a little two. time to sleep. Uh, so we went right to sleep, slept two hours, and then went to the rink. So uh, we grabbed something to eat on the way. So it was it was not a game day routine. It yeah. was just uh, you know it was we were going there to have fun and uh, enjoy the weekend. And uh, yeah, I mean yeah. it's 
was a good travel day. We were a little tired at night, but we were trying to have fun yeah. as much I, as we could. I figured out when you guys definitely took your naps because you had taken over Instagram and there was a gap between like when you guys got <laughs> in the, the the car from the airport to like when we got to the rink and I was like you guys definitely slept and yes. everybody you guys all said that you guys were we all cold yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that was a must I'm sure it was fun I mean you knew some guys I'm sure from your time in, in the Ottawa organization and then for you you know Joe there wasn't, wasn't as many guys I'm sure that you knew maybe some some guys back from you know the Czech Republic but one guy I noticed um Kapo Kaskin and the goaltender for Iowa. You guys were kind of talking a bit before the yeah. game and yeah. probably were able to chat during the All-Star game too. Yeah, he said next to me in the locker room, so I talked with him. Uh, he's a good guy. and We talked about his, his uh, first year in AHL like me, so we tried to like figure out what's, what's the difference between Europe and here. So that was nice time with him there. Were you, are you friendly with, so the goalie from Hershey was also from Czech Republic. Yeah, did you, did also you know him at all? or? Uh, I don't, I didn't know him like personally, but know who is he. Because he actually, he lived like 20 minutes from my house. So that was a surprise for me. Oh, really? <laughs> really, yeah. He lives really close to me in Czech, so. Was it nice to be able to, you know, conversate in your native tongue? I know there's oh, yeah. th- there's no Czech guys on the oh, yeah. AHL yeah. level. There's a couple up the Sharks. Yeah, he had uh, also family there and a couple of friends, so that was nice to meet them. Cool. And you had, you had family in town too, yeah. right? I know a lot of people came down to see you. Yeah. Uh, how many people did you have and how many were supposed to come down? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I had, I think, 12 people that were supposed to come. I ended up with uh, eight or seven. But still, like, yeah, I was I was really happy to spend some time with my family because uh, you know San Jose is pretty far from Montreal, so I won't get to see them often. So it was it was good to have two days with them and uh, enjoy that weekend because you know it's something that I might never live again. So right. it's, it was it was good to live that with them and yeah, it was good to see them. What do you guys think of the uniforms when you first went in? Did you like them? They were nice. I mean, I I thought I I liked them. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool to have the, ye- the yellow is a pretty bold color, yeah. but I yeah. thought they were a lot nicer. Like, when oh, you yeah. actually see them in person, they were a lot yeah. nicer. They're nice, yeah. What do you guys think of um, of the city of Springfield? I know what it is right now, what it was, you know, a couple of years ago is completely different. I know the, the casino has certainly helped the area. It's cold there. We know that. But uh, from all accounts, it sounds like they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, uh, I played there the last two years uh, with the Ottawa organization and you know it's not a city that you're pumped to go in <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, where we were the hotel the casino uh, like where we were staying was really really nice yeah, and uh, exactly. they did a great job to uh, receive us and uh, actually really enjoyed the, lo- the two days there so uh, uh, let's hope if we play there once uh, maybe in the playoffs in the finals I don't know but if we get there Let's hope we have the same hotel because it was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys, when you go into a, a situation like that, do you kind of size up uh, the other guys? Are you looking at what these guys, what they're all about? And can you use it as a bit of a measuring stick for where you're at and your game is at? Yeah. I mean, like for us, for both of us, we're still young players in the league. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of older guys there that, that have been in the league for over six, seven, sometimes ten years. So for sure, there's some guys that you look up to, and um, you know you're always learning. For for us, for young guys, uh, you're just there. You're enjoying the like, enjoying it, having fun. But at the same time, you can see a lot of great players that 
you know, there's guys that played in the NHL for years. So it's always uh, something you can learn where, wherever you are, yeah. You guys, uh, my, my last question for you guys, because I know you guys got to run, but what was each of you guys, what are you, your favorite parts of the weekend as a whole when you think of it top to bottom? What was your favorite part about it? Do you want any money <laughs> at the tables? <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> it didn't go really well. Um, I mean, I personally liked the skills competition. It was, like, overall, it was just relaxed. The fans were close from us. There was, like, no... No glass. Uh, no right? glasses, That's yeah. pretty cool. I like how the yeah. AHL does that. Yeah, it was really glass. cool, you know. So it was uh, fun. It was just fun overall. And obviously the highlight of the night was uh, mids first. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to talk about shot. that. That's right. Yeah. What 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 uh, so mean, for, for those people who weren't so, watching? Oh, he goes into the hardest shot competition on his first attempt. I mean, he gets a good piece of it, but he put literally everything into it and ended up wiping out, falling down, <laughs> dumping into the corner. Everybody got a pretty good laugh about it. He got oh, a good man. laugh about it. He says phone was blowing up. What what went through your guys' mind when you saw that? I mean, I was I was filming it and it was I was dying. To be honest, I couldn't control myself. It was so funny. <laughs> His face when he got up and everything. So like the whole sequence was just that's that's my highlight for sure. What I think is funny too is he went into it. He's like, yeah. When they told him he was an all star, he was like, I'm not an all star. Have you guys seen my numbers? I'm not an all star. <laughs> and then he did. I thought he did pretty darn good in the three on three. Oh, what do you think? Four of, points on yeah, that. That yeah. was like the second highest total. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, Mets is good. He's yeah, really good. Yeah. He's just not a flashy guy. Yeah. But you know, he was. He was there. He scored a goal. He made some great plays. He, he's a great hockey player. So he was. I mean, he deserved to be there. He's what about you, Joe? What was your highlight of the weekend? Say it. Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like everything. In, like the fans were really good. A lot of fans were there. I like everything. Like the skill competition was fun. Yeah, without the glass. Like after after the competition, like signing and stuff like this and. And the other day was pretty good, like whole game. But I didn't like it too much because he he didn't win. So yeah, First we could be good, we yeah. could be better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like I I think the the thing that I like the most about the AHL All Star game. Well, the skills competition is cool because like you said, they take off the glass, which kind of yeah. like at the end of the skills thing, they let everybody come down and yeah. players all sign. The three on three I like a lot better than the NHL because. It's a round-robin tournament, so you're going to play mm -hmm. every division once, so you're guaranteed mm -hmm. three games, where in the NHL, like, you lose, that's it, you're right? You're done. So you, at least you're going to get yourself three games. They're short, they're quick, but at least you're going to get to play every division once and everybody gets to see. You know, it's not like you're going out there for one game and, and calling yeah, it a day. I agree. That made it more fun for everyone. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty much on the on the clock, so appreciate it, guys. Thanks for – I know it was quick and, quick and easy. Uh, Joe, happy birthday. I know you weren't yeah, 21 when you were in Springfield, but uh, happy so birthday. Much. And uh, it's a big deal. I don't know if that's as big of a deal, 21 back in the Czech Republic, but here in the no. States, it's a big deal. Now uh, now you can uh, go out from time to time, you oh, know, yeah. and <laughs> hang out with the boys. So 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having hopefully us. Hopefully, we'll get, yeah. get you back on here in, in the near future. So, we'd like to thank both uh, Yosef Kornash and Francis Perron for uh, jumping on board, talking about the All Star Classic. I know for a lot of guys, especially you, you look at a Kornash, this is his first year and he's already made an All Star game. But for Francis Perron, this is year number three. It's been a complete revival in his career here in San Jose. And I know for, for guys, they never know what, they, uh, what to expect when they go out to an All Star mm -hmm. game. Um, sometimes it, it, it's a little bit of a drag. I mean, they played um, before the All-Star game. We were in Grand Rapids. We played Saturday night. Guys left about 5 in the morning on Sunday and had a skills competition at night. So there's a lot of travel that goes into it. It's a bit of a grind, but I think once guys get back, um, they build uh, the type of memories they're going to remember forever. I mean, it's a great experience, yeah. great weekend for them. Yeah, it's, and it's a, it's a busy weekend. Like you said, they, they flew in, they leave early in the morning, they get in the day of the skills competition, a lot of these guys, and the weekend goes by just so quick, right? So, but like you said, I think when they, you look at it on the before side of things where, oh, you know, the, everybody's, the all-star break guys are going to warm weather places or they're going home for a little bit to just kind of relax some R&R &R away, uh, away from the game. Then these guys get to the all-star weekend and they realize how much goes into it and how awesome an event that that it is and the league does a great job the host cities have all done a great job and they really treat these guys first class and you, you know you get to see guys that they played juniors with and played in college with or guys that they've you know used to maybe play with in San Jose like they all saw uh, some guys saw Troy Grosnick who they were familiar with and you catch up with old buddies create all those new memories and it ends up being a really fun weekend for everybody and I think you you heard that through the two guys we just talked to they're going to say the same you know, they're going to echo that. And Jake Middleton would say the same thing, I think, uh, if you were to ask him as well. It's, it, ends, it ends up being a great weekend. I think the guys are glad that they went and glad they could be a part of it. Absolutely. And it was fun to see Roy get interviewed as well. They had him on the bench. He was getting the crowd fired yeah. up. The game was on NHL Network. He was trying to get people into it. That's just Roy 101. A quick note, I think uh, since the last time we were on the podcast, uh, Roy picked up his 750th win on Friday in Stockton. He's now at 751. He just continues to, you know, add to what is turning out to, and already is a historic and legendary career here at the AHL level. He's already the all-time leader in wins, so he's just adding on to his own record. But um, fun to be a part of, fun to celebrate that. And, you know, I feel like uh, we'll be right around the corner. We'll be celebrating 800 for Roy. So Yeah, it's yeah, yesterday we had a, an all-staff meeting, and, uh, we talked a little bit about Roy and his accomplishments. Joe, Joe Will made a joke at the beginning saying, we may need to hire a separate PR person just to keep track of all Roy's stats and records because it's getting to the point where there are so many. And not only stats, but stories, just everything. Uh, and so he joked about that. But Roy came up and he spoke in front of the entire company, Barracuda staff, Shark staff, SAP Center. Kind of just talked about you know what it means to him to break up records. And he got, he got emotional which is not something you really ever see uh, out of Roy. So uh, it, was, it was a pretty cool moment uh, for him to kind of get up and he's really preaching on. It's not so much remembering the games. I mean, thousands of games, and it's, you don't really remember each and every one. But what he said is, you know, you remember the people, the people that you work with and the people that come and go and all the guys you see go up. And that's I think that seems to be one of his favorite parts about this organization is that all the people he's had, the pleasure to work with have all been good people. And I think that makes his job incredibly easy as it does for anybody else really 
in any job. If you like the people that you work with, it makes it easy to come to work. Every yeah, day. it does. He told some really good stories. He's such a great storyteller, so um, fun to listen to you know, some of, the, some of the different stories. And I feel like he just comes up with them off the whim. You know, mm-hmm. they're always... They're always and it's, it's weird because, like, one little thing triggers a story. Yeah. It could... I mean, you could talk, be talking about the most random thing in the world, and he's like, oh, I got a story about that, or something that's <laughs> close to that. Yes. Sometimes it has nothing to do with what you were talking about, but he's... Yeah, he's always got a story, and yeah, they're always is. entertaining, always. And what I thought was fun, too, is, you know, we, we continue to, to sell kind of the team and Roy himself... Um, I had a couple people come up to me and say, I didn't even know that about Roy. I had no idea that he played in the NHL. I had no idea that he was one of the first Californians to play in the NHL, played with Wayne Gretzky, and also didn't know that he uh, had that many wins under his belt and he's been doing for that long. So that was cool. I know that was an important thing for Joe to kind of get him in front of the organization and continue to, to kind of tell his story because it's, it's quite the story. I think when it's all said and done, when the dust settles and Roy decides he's done with coaching, which I don't see – that happening not, in the near future. He soon. enjoys his job. Yeah. He enjoys coming to work every day. But when he decides to kind of hang it up, um, I think people are going to look back as this, you know this is probably never going to happen again. So yeah. I mean, we he, should we, we got to bring him on before the season's over just to oh yeah, just we'll to have him just to have him tell some stories. Yeah, for a little we'll bit. get him on. No doubt, no doubt. So um, congratulations, Roy. Another milestone. Another uh, check mark. Um, it will be at 800 in no time. That is for sure. So. Um, hey, as we're, as we're talking about, you know, the all-star game, and I mean, obviously we're past the midway point. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some, some mid-season awards for a couple minutes here. If we were to give some out, you know, who we think is deserving with guys on the team, uh, see if we disagree much at all. I think we might be on the same page with some guys, uh, but I don't think it's anything we've really talked about as, you know, coming in here up on the second half. Could be something cool to focus on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mitzi's words, good call. We should have probably. Prepared. Yeah, we probably should have done that at the middle. <laughs> at the middle of the season. Or we should have, uh, like, maybe prepared. Yeah. Picked our no, we're whatever. Gonna, we'll we're go gonna wing somewhere. it. We're gonna we'll wing it. it. That's what we do. But here. all right. So if you had to pick a a you know halfway point MVP of this team, um, who who would you pick? It's tough. I mean, there's a very there's a lot of guys that think that would be deserving, um, but I I would have trouble probably looking beyond. The goaltending. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's a little bit tough because you got two guys splitting off, and they've equally been really good. Um, but Joe has been, you know, spectacular all yeah. year. I mean, his, his numbers um, kind of tell the entire story. You know, he's starting every other game, and he still manages to be in the top five and wins and shut and shutouts and uh, goals against save percentage. So. Probably go with Yosef Kordash as my all-star, but right behind him, you, you could probably, I mean, Bibbs could probably get an argument. I mean, think Alexander True, Francis Perron, and even if, you know, an unsung hero got some credit and some recognition with the all-star nod, was Jake Middleton, yeah. steady Eddie on the back end, who kind of pulls everything together. Yeah. Well, I mean, you So I just picked five Named guys. like a quarter of the roster. But I, so I, pretty I good. But <laughs> I think, so I, w- I would give co-MVPs. And I would give them to both goaltenders because I think without the two of them, this team is not sitting in first place. They're not as hot as they are. And those guys have been a, a huge part of that. There's been a lot of times where they've, you know, been there where maybe the offense or the defense having an off night and they've always been the ones to step up and kind of be that rock for this team. So I, I, I think I'd give co-MVPs uh, to the two goaltenders. That'd be my pick. All right. All right. Rookie. Rookie of the year so far? Coronash. Coronash. Yeah. Again. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a no-brainer. I, I was just talking to um, Ryan Holt, the broadcaster for the Bakersfield Condors yesterday. He has a kind of a weekly 
roundup for for his club and we were talking about the Barracuda and you know he made a good point I mean this team has uh there's no one guy that's his you know been the offensive catalyst right. you know through throughout this season in terms of a guy that he's going to basically put the team on his back and he's going to win you games offensively it's been by complete committee um San Jose has four lines deep I mean, Roy said it before. He doesn't think he even has a fourth line. John no. McCarthy's played from the first to the fourth line this year. And they, and they, whether it's line one or line four, they all pretty much play the same number of minutes on night two. With the, if you take power play time and all that out, they're all on, on the ice the same yep. amount of time because he's so confident that all four can roll out and get the job done. Yeah, it's a luxury to have, really. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, this is a you know obviously this is a young team. We've talked about it a lot. The thirtieth, um, you know. Oldest team, I guess, so the, the second youngest team in the entire league. We've got 15 different guys that uh, are rookies that have played for this team, five sophomores. You know, so you look at one rookie, Kornosh, you know, will take the cake for the rookie of the year, but there's been a ton of rookies that have contributed mm -hmm. up and down the lineup. Um, and one guy I feel like is starting to really make his presence known, and I, and I touched on getting recalled, is Dylan Gambrell. You can just tell that he is figuring it out at this yeah. level and figuring out what it takes to be successful. You got to get inside. You got to take a bit of punishment in front of the net. That's where you're going to score your goals. And then he shut off an ability to absolutely pound pucks on the power play too when you get into his wheelhouse. So there's a lot of guys you can look at that are starting to figure it out at a good point in the season. And then how about uh, your, your unsung hero? Unsung hero. That's a good question. Again, we're putting us on the spot I think here. So you go uh, first. I'll go, I'll go first this time around. I think – we and we've seen it when when he's been out of the lineup. It's been a it's been a it's been a massive hole for us. So I think Jake Middleton has to, for me is my unsung hero because without him in the lineup, the for whatever reason, I mean we've got a great defensive group, but when he's on the lineup, it's it's noticeable. There's that's your top guy in your PK plays on the power play. I mean this is a guy who's on the ice all the time, and he's your number one defender. He's very defensive-minded, really shuts everybody down. So when he's when he's been out, it's 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 been tough for this team to kind of rebound from that. So I think it's tough to to overlook him. But uh, to kind of do what you did with the the MVP award, there's a couple other guys too who I think could be uh, pretty deserving. And it may not be so much like a a numbers game, but a guy like Jeffrey Vl has been. You know, he's not going to put up eye-popping stats, but he does a lot of things very, very well that kind of go under the radar. And I also think Keaton Middleton, too, has been a, a staple on the back end, kind of following in his brother's footsteps where he's, you know, a reliable defender. He's actually contributed a little bit more offensively than Jake probably did in his first year. Uh, but he's played all but one game so far, and he's starting to see a lot more ice time as the year goes on. Absolutely. It's my only thing, I would, my only argument, if I was going to argue with you on that one, is with Jake Middleton, is that unsung hero, I, I tend to equate with a guy who doesn't get enough credit. And I feel like Jake, at least within the building, certainly gets a lot. I think everybody recognizes how good he is. But maybe if you look at the stats, if a guy didn't watch him play and doesn't see what he is contributing every night, then maybe you would, you would definitely have a case for that for sure. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of guys that have been, um, you know, played that role. I think Jeffrey Biel is a great point. I mean, this guy, there's no one else really on the team who's fulfilling the role that that he's provided this year from, a, you know, from a toughness maybe standpoint. Maybe John, maybe John Martin, and John but not, Martin, as, not as much as Viel has. Yeah, and, and John Martin, it's funny you mention him because if we're going to choose a guy maybe most improved, maybe, you know, unsung, I mean, John Martin 
has had a breakout season. Oh, yeah. And this is his third year of pro hockey, and sometimes you think, is the guy, you know, is he going to be able to figure it out? I mean, he's a plus 14, which puts him at fourth spot in, on the entire team in that department. Um, this is a guy who was in and out of lineup. He's, you know, he's never really been a plus player at the American League level. was a minus five last year. He's already got 18 points, mm -hmm. you know, eight goals. He's doubled up his goals from a season ago. Um, it's just been a great year. It's just fun to watch him be able to, you know, figure out his role at this level. And I think he's a guy that could, could definitely and an, get a uh, another couple guy, votes. Another guy, too, we didn't even mention, Nick D. Simone, too. He's a guy who's put up some great numbers, but has kind of – he's really flown under the radar when you think about some of the other guys on this team because, I mean, he's, you know, your number two defenseman, but just kind of you know, steady Eddie does his thing, and he's, he's going to get his chance eventually. He's another guy who could fall into that unsung hero category. This as well. team is just so deep with those type of there's players. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many people. You could say 80 percent of the roster could probably fulfill that, you know, that role a bit, um, which is, I think, a great team. Why this team is as good mm -hmm. as they are? It's you know they've got contributions up and down the lineup. Um, I mean, Kyle Woods, a plus 19. He's got 25 points this year, 21 assists. That puts him at second on the team. Best plus minus. You know, he's a guy I think who goes a little bit under the radar, what he provides um, coming over from the Arizona Coyotes organization. So it's been a nice year, I think, for Kyle Wood as well, getting a fresh start here in San Jose. And just another guy on that back end. And this is a, you know, it's, although it's a, a young back end, Half of it is young. I think the other half is, is veteran-laden a bit. They say uh, veterans. I mean, there's, I mean, they're all so the young. American League club, yeah, right? they're all, I mean, so they're... Three years in the AHL, you're a grizzled vet. Yeah. So, uh, Mids is there. Woody is there. Desi's in now his second year. So, and he feels like he's in his third because he went on that long playoff right. run uh, two years ago. So, a lot of, a lot of worthy guys on this team. Um fun to do mid-season awards, but uh, I think it'll be fun when we get to the end of the year and kind of see where the dust settles yeah. and see where guys kind of, you know, place yeah, in terms definitely. of what we, we consider their, their importance. But this is, uh, this is the epitome of what you consider as a, a team because there's yeah. just not one guy, right? right. So um, any questions this week from, from the panel? We get any questions from a <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't ask. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair I kind of, I knew... It's I, been knew we were, I knew we were recording on Thursday, and it's a travel day, so, I mean, I didn't, I'll, I'll just be, completely, I forgot to okay. put it out. I forgot to ask for questions. It's okay. Um, taking a quick peek now, I don't see anything really, we got the orange jerseys coming up, people are very excited about that, um, that'll be on the 18th, but the, for only time this year, the orange jerseys are coming back, and uh I think people yep. are going to really like them. I mean, they kind of follow the same design as we have in the past, but uh, get these ones while you can because this is the last time you'll probably see these orange jerseys. Yes. see some different ones in the future, but these Ooh. ones. Maybe Joe just dropped a, dropped a hint. I don't know. Maybe, I don't even know. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe, but yep. there could be something in the pipeline for the 1920 season. Yep, yep. Quick note, um, I think, which is interesting, I've been kind of just crossed my mind is, you know, from a special team standpoint, San Jose has had one of the best penalty kills in the entire league. Um, they've kind of figured it out a bit as of late on the power play. San Jose has goals in seven of their last eight games on the PP, but still sit the bottom of the league. And I think what's interesting is when you go into the playoffs, power play units just don't get very many opportunities. It's right. not as a not as important of a of a of a sequence in the game, not as important of an element in the game. So. Um, 
I think that bodes well for San Jose. They're one of the best five-on-five -five teams in the entire league. So going into the postseason, your concerns with the power play, um, I think, are warranted. But uh, once you get to the postseason, it's not as big of a impact on the game. So. And the, the, the penalty kill, too, in four years of being here, that's one thing that Roy's done a very – the penalty kill has always been very good. Yeah. It's always been the upper echelon of, of things. I think that starts, starts with Johnny Mack, right? Yeah. I mean, he's as good as it comes on the PK, and, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to look back at his entire career. I'm sure the PK has been pretty decent, you know, yeah. when he's been out there. we're talking so. about guys playing penalty kill for the Olympic team. Like, yeah. Yes. He knows yes. what he's doing. Yes, he does. That's why Tony Granato thought he was a valuable asset. Yeah. Um, for that team, so good stuff, Joe. I think uh, you know next week we'll get some we'll get some fan questions. Um, we'll continue chugging along. Next week we'll probably record again on Wednesday following the game against the Roadrunners. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a lot to talk about because um, we've got three games sandwiched in between. The next time we record, um, a reminder to fans: tomorrow in Bakersfield, broadcast coverage will begin at seven o'clock. So listen, right at the top of the hour, we'll have no pregame show, but we will have a pregame show on Sunday on KDOW starting at 12.30. So you can catch the full 30-minute pregame show leading into the 1 o'clock start at the Citizens Business Bank Arena. If you've got a schedule, I think it's been changed at all schedules. That was originally a 3 o'clock start. So just an FYI, if your schedule still says 3 o'clock, Ontario changed that to a 1 o'clock start. So of the early start, then the guys will get back on the bus and we'll head back up north and have uh, – well, not a day off because we practice Monday, and then we'll get ready for Tucson. So um, a lot's happening uh, over the next few days. Should be an exciting little stretch. Yeah, so. exciting. We'll say so long. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next Wednesday. See you. See you. See you.